thank you all for being here tonight. It's good to see uh, many of you that I feel like I haven't seen in a while. Um, as I said uh, at the very beginning of the night, tonight we're talking all about Lent. And uh, something you may or may not know about me is that I love the change to daylight saving time. Um, yeah, there we go. Attaboy, Doug. Um, I, I, I count down the days every year. There's 12, 12 till daylight saving time. Um, and, you know, even after having kids, the time change is terrible for kids. It's, it's awful. It throws off their sleep, uh, and uh, it takes them forever to recover. And that has never hampered my love for the change to daylight saving time. Uh, I have some seasonal affective disorder, which I thought had been cleared up, but uh, this year, uh, winter has felt like four years. And um, so I love leaving behind the, the long and dark and cold days of winter. Like the past two days have been just amazing. Uh, I, I love the time change symbolizing the coming warmth and light and green. Spring, spring when dead things come back to life. Uh, I've said this for many years, but I don't think it's a coincidence that spring cleaning is a thing. Uh, we come out of hibernation and we have this renewed sense of energy uh, to, to reorganize, to reorder our lives. And this is where the season of Lent comes in, uh, which coincidentally starts tomorrow. Lent is a word that, that originally, literally, well, not literally, it meant spring. It was a Germanic word but it literally meant long, and it referred to the lengthening of days. Lent is an ancient, ancient, ancient Christian practice, more ancient than even Christmas. Um, and it started as a time of, of training for people to get ready for their baptism on Easter Sunday. And eventually, this season, this, this span of time, became a season of the church calendar. It spans uh, the 46 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. It's technically only a 40-day long season, because you don't count the Sundays, which we'll get to later. But Lent gives us some handles to be intentional about our spirituality over the next six weeks. But Lent, uh, if you've been around any kind of community that, that observes Lent, it can also be a heavy, heavy season. It can be a season where we load a bunch of things onto ourselves or in, and try to force some kind of spiritual uh, connection or development. Sometimes, intentional or not, Lent can feel uh, a lot like punishing ourselves. And that's not at all what this season is meant to be. Uh, so I want us to think, uh, and maybe look at Lent this year, um, rather than being about punishment, what if we approach Lent as a season of intentionally pushing ourselves? Intentionally pushing yourself just a bit further than what you think is comfortable all in the name of reclaiming your identity, uh, reclaiming your life. Like spring cleaning, uh, Lent is all about being intentional. It, it's, not, it's about not being passive. Passivity is what leads to disorder and, and disconnection, and a little intentionality helps us reclaim ourselves and create space for things that really matter. It's all about intentionality. Lent is about intentionality, intentionally, specifically, with uh, being intentional specifically with our identity and where we get it from. To explain but I, what I mean by that, we're going to be looking at a story uh, about Jesus from Matthew 4. We are taking a short break from the Gospel of John, which we have been in for all of Epiphany, and we are getting back to in Lent. But tonight, we're looking at Matthew 4. 
Uh, we look at this story most years right before Lent um, to frame the season for us. The 40 days of Lent are actually based on um, this, this strange little story that takes place right at the beginning of Jesus' three-year ministry. It's a story about Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness and then being tested and tempted at the end of that. But I want us to notice, uh, as we have in, in years past, the theme of identity that this entire story kind of revolves around. So this is Matthew 13, or 3.13 through 4.11. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Because that's what happens. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world with all their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. It's a weird story. It's an interesting story. There's a lot going on here. Uh, but so that we're, we're told that Jesus has this amazing experience that affirms his identity as God's beloved son. Uh, God's beloved son in whom God is well pleased. Which, you know, I, I've said this before, but I, I don't know about you, but I feel like that's something that every child longs to hear from their parent. You are mine, and I'm so proud of you. Immediately following this, uh, we're told that Jesus spends 40 days fasting. Now, um, the Jewish understanding of fasting is, is complex, and it sort of changes over time. So there's not uh, one agreed-upon view of, of how, fu- uh, how fasting functioned in worship at this time or, or probably even still currently. But to the best of our knowledge, in Jesus' time, fasting was used to express mourning or people fasted in anticipation of a spiritual encounter. The Old Testament has many examples of both these things. Based on context, it seems like this is about preparation and anticipation. Fasting as a way to, of intentionally getting focused and prepared. 40 days of fasting is what Jesus goes through, and then he's tempted by the devil or the tempter uh, the, 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 the author who wrote this uses those terms interchangeably, devil or tempter. The thing I want us to notice tonight is all, that all three ways that Jesus is tempted are ultimately about his identity. His identity is God's beloved son. The tempter gets right uh, to the core of who Jesus is by repeatedly saying to him, if you are God's son. In other words, 
how do you know that you're God's son? Wouldn't it be better to know for certain? Turn this stone to bread, jump from this temple, worship me, and you won't have to ever doubt your identity again. You'll know, you'll be sufficient on your own. And each temptation Jesus pushes back um, to turn away and trust God in a different way each time. So in the first situation, the tempter uh, invites Jesus to prove his identity through a display of power. Um, that is by, uh, by establishing his validity and his worth and his identity through his own abilities of turning stones into bread. In the second, the temptation is to test Jesus's faithful, or God's faithfulness to Jesus, thereby forcing God's hand and, and proving Jesus's identity to himself if he jumps off of the top of the temple and is unharmed. And then in the third temptation, which is sort of more a bribe than just a straight temptation, uh, Jesus has promised all the power and glory the earth can offer if he will just give his allegiance and devotion to the tempter, essentially allowing him to take a different identity than the one that he's been given, an identity that he can be more sure of when he looks out and sees everything that's his, everything that's under his rule. In each case, Jesus rejects the temptation uh, to use his identity and to take his identity into his own hands. And instead, he roots his identity in God's character and God's um, trustworthiness. So Jesus is tempted by the devil, who acts as if the reality of Jesus' identity is in question. If you are the son of God, are you really? Can you prove it? But Jesus' response show that he's thinking about something like entirely, he's thinking about entirely different questions. He's thinking about what does it mean for me to be God's beloved son and how can I live that identity out in the world? I think Lent is a season for us to contemplate those very same questions about our identity. What does it mean for me to be God's beloved daughter or son and how can I more deeply reflect that identity in my daily life? Those words that we read at the beginning of the story that were spoken over Jesus are also spoken over you and me. You are God's beloved child in whom he is well pleased. That's your identity. How can you more deeply reflect that truth in your daily life? That's what we're talking about. Because the truth is we live in a world that with seemingly endless things to try to uh, compete and tempt us to let, uh, let them tell us who we are. In our postmodern culture, the initial way that if uh, I walked up to a stranger, the initial way that they would describe me is straight, white, cisgendered male. These are all classifications our culture has decided are, are the most important thing about me. My sexual orientation, my race, my gender identity, and my biological sex. That's what our culture says my identity is, right? And those things tell you almost nothing about me. <laughs> they tell you like the bare minimum about me. They don't tell you that I love rain or that I love daylight saving time or that uh, I love mint chocolate chip ice cream. Those are just as important things about me, <laughs> I think. Our culture is drowning in messages telling us what our identity is, who we are that we are our 
skin color, that we are our sexuality, that we are our gender or nationality or political affiliation or job or tax bracket or, or the stuff that we buy or our relationship or our singleness or our kids or our lack of kids, when none of these things or even the sum of all of these things together ultimately hold our identity. The question for you and I this Lent are what does it mean to be God's beloved daughter or son and how can I more deeply reflect that identity in my life? Uh, We respond to these questions uh, in Lent by implementing different disciplines and practices to help us intentionally rediscover and reconnect with God and our identity as his beloved daughters and sons. So Lent generally has two categories of practices that we might put into place during the season, uh, giving up and taking up. And we're going to talk about both. First, giving up or fasting, like we saw in our story. Uh, This can be laying something down that, um, or just learning to say no to something that that can be idols in our hearts um, that offer us a false sense of identity. Or uh, this could be destructive habits that we know that we should leave behind, and this is just sort of an easy season to um, grab onto to begin to finally do that. Or these can be things that aren't necessarily bad, but cost us time or capacity that we'd like to spend elsewhere for a little bit. Or things that we could just use a break from. I know many people uh, take a break uh, from social media during Lent, which I think is great. Uh, I try to pay attention to the things that I go to when I'm um, when I want to check out, or when I'm bored, or the things that quite unintentionally tend to fill my life, um, or things that I use to avoid my life. Usually, in, in years past, that's been TV and phone. Uh, phone is a constant thing that I'm trying to wean myself off of, sometimes successfully, mostly unsuccessfully. TV is far less of an issue because usually Gabby's Dollhouse is what's playing on TV at my house. So, um, though the songs are amazing, the plot is not for me. Anyway, um, traditionally, when giving something up for Lent, uh, you give it up for the 40 days of the season, but not the Sundays during that season. That's why the Sundays aren't counted. Sundays are for Sabbath, they're for resting, they're for feasting which means you can enjoy these things again. Or you can give them up for the entire season. It's kind of up to you. There's no hard and fast rule. Um, but I, when I was younger, I was like, I'm taking the whole season off because I'm awesome. And now I've actually really enjoyed the rhythm of Sundays being about celebration and actually allowing myself to uh, interact with these things if I want to. If I don't want to, then I don't. But if I want to, I don't feel bad about it. So here are two questions to help you think through kind of giving something up. The first is what helps or or enables you to avoid your life right now? That might be something to to put down for Lent. Another question, what is something that you receive a false sense of identity from that you could put down for this season in order to reconnect and, and reclaim your true identity as God's beloved child? But... Lent is not just about restrictions. It's not just about limitations. It's not just about fasting. It's not just about withholding something from ourselves. Uh, It's not just about giving up a false sense of identity. It's also taking up practices to help us remember our true identities or live more fully into them. 
The second category of Lent is taking up. Taking up a practice or discipline to draw near to God and to remember our true identity as his beloved children. This is a really broad category, right? This can be anything uh, that your imagination comes up with that, that helps you foster a connection to the divine. I think the key here is to make it something attainable, actually attainable, light enough for it to actually be feasible, um, but not so easy that you're not pushing yourself a little bit. I think one of the hardest things about, about keeping up a practice during Lent is if it's so easy, it feels pointless. But also right now, especially post-pandemic or mid-pandemic, whatever you think, we are, we've grown really um, comfortable in a lot of ways. And pushing ourselves feels more uncomfortable than ever. And I think that's something that we're being invited into this season. Can we push ourselves just a little bit past what we feel like is comfortable to push back out into life. So you could take up a, a practice of, of prayer or, or journaling or some kind of daily practice like the examine that I've taught uh, in years past. Um, you could take up some kind of intentional time to create, you know, write or draw or paint or, or some kind of play, whatever uh, helps you reconnect to God. Find time to get out in nature on a weekly basis. Whatever gives you life, you know what that thing is. That's what you're being invited into this season. Or perhaps uh, take time to do the things that you've been avoiding, but the Spirit's been prodding you to do. Push yourself to reclaim your life because you are a beloved child of God, which means that your life is far too precious to waste. So here are a few questions to help you think through what you might take up during Lent. When do you feel a sense of connection and belonging with God? What helps you remember that you're God's beloved child in whom he is well pleased? And what practices do you think look more like the life you want to be living? That's a good place to start. This year, um, I'm doing something a little bit different, which um, I don't know if it's cheating or not, but I'm just rolling with it because why not? Because it's Lent. Uh, my dad, had, uh, I've talked a little bit about this, but my dad has been really sick lately. He's been in the hospital, and it's made me, uh, as it often does to people, reflect on my health. Um, no one, no male in my dad's family in the past 100 years has lived through their 60s, and that's terrifying to me. I was telling some people about this uh, at Friday morning coffee last week. I feel like in a lot of ways I... I I ignore my health because I don't fully believe that I'm worth taking care of and because it's hard and not fun. <laughs> so this year during Lent, I'm trying to uh, really make an effort to do something physical every day because I'm watching what my dad is going through and seeing like if I don't make some significant changes, I'm going to be another one of those guys that doesn't live through his 60s and that terrifies me. And there are things that I can do about that now that I've been putting off because I feel bad about how out of shape I am. But I feel like what my true identity is as a beloved child of God means that uh, I don't need to feel that kind of shame. And I matter enough that I should take care of myself. So that's how I'm leaning into Lent this year. If that sounds good to you, feel free to join me in that. We can talk about what we're doing together and maybe hold each other accountable. The, the 
The thing that I hope that you kind of take from tonight is that Lent is an opportunity for us to live into grace, to reclaim our true identities as God's beloved children, to intentionally push ourselves more deeply to reflect, reflect our true identity in our daily lives, uh, especially in the midst of a world that is, is full of noise and, and busy distractions uh, to distract us from all sorts of... of um, I just forgot what I was about to say. Gosh, can you imagine how good it was going to be? Because I can. <laughs> oh, I was right there. What am I trying to say? It's about intentionally pushing ourselves more deeper into that identity, especially in the world right now. Here we go. That is full of noise and distractions and, and uh, all sorts of people trying to tell us who we really are. Lent is a time to be intentional with our inner lives and take hold of of. Uh, the life that we want to live, quite frankly. To clear out the old and start planting and building the new. Um, so, use this season wisely. Use it to make room to hear from and respond to God. Use it to push yourself deeper into life. Because you are a beloved child of God and you deserve nothing less than life lived to the full. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for uh, seasons that help us uh, stop and reflect. Seasons that help us, I mean, in a lot of ways it feels arbitrary and that makes it feel like a gift, a season to just grab onto and decide to make changes in. A season to cut things out to hear from you better. A season to take hold of the things that we've been longing for and just haven't done. God, I pray that you would give us all during this season a, a conviction to push harder and further than we think we can. Um, God, I pray that you would give us courage and energy uh, to see that through. And God, I pray that um, however we engage this season, that it would be drenched in grace and not a sense of legalism or shame but that we truly would be living into how much you love us and how powerless sin is in our lives because of you. We love you, God. Amen.